0: About 10 years ago, I was a new pastor and I was leading a uh, house group with a bunch of young 20 somethings. This was Rachel and I before we had kids. And we had this group of, of really young people and our friend Judy, who was in her mid 60s. And she would come hang out with a bunch of us young 20 somethings and felt totally awkward all the time, but we loved her because she was like honorary grandma. And, um, One day we were having our our meeting, we were, you know, we had dinner, and then we were just kind of like, let's talk about something, and somehow the the idea of interpreting the Bible came up, which is a really great conversation to have at a group, and uh, a friend of a friend had come to this for the first time, and he let everybody know, like, oh, I just want you all to know that I'm an atheist, and I don't believe in any of this stuff, and we're like, ooh, this will be fun. And so we start getting into all of this interpreting the Bible and all of basically any question that anybody had about the Bible uh, came up into play and all of a sudden this fun conversation started getting a little more heated. Everyone's voices started getting a little louder. This, this guy, very nice guy, but he didn't believe what we believed and he, he kept asking uh, making a lot of statements and asking a lot of questions and I could see it on the faces of of my friends and this group of people where all of a sudden it was like we have to make him understand we have to make sure that he leaves this night knowing all of the answers to all of the questions that he has about the Bible. And we started getting into uh, doctrine and theologies and all of this crazy stuff. And it started getting really, really heated. And people were getting mad. (laughs) And it got to the point where I was like, oh, no, this is terrible. This is a total disaster. And then this guy looked at our friend Judy the wise elder person among us and he said and she hadn't been uh, um, saying anything up to this point and he said what do you think Judy I want to hear what you have to say and she said well you know what honey I'm not smart enough to know anything about any of that but all I can tell you about is Jesus and this is what he's done in my life and she went on to just tell her story with Jesus And by the end of it, in a matter of minutes, all of us around the table were crying. And our new friend, the atheist, said, can I give you a hug? (laughs) And he stood up and walked around the table, and, and him and Judy hugged. And it was this amazing, sweet moment. You know, sometimes those of us in the church... Like we want to have answers, we want to understand the things that we're doing, and a lot of this is really meaningful to us. It's, it's played a huge part in our lives, and so we want to explain it, we want to help people understand, and sometimes we get so caught up in all of these other things and programs and ideas and theologies, and we forget that all of this is about Jesus, you know, there's a couple things that we do when we, when we gather together as a family at these monthly worship gatherings. And one thing is that we, we remember. We remember who God is, the amazing things that he's done and continues to do in and around us. We tell stories, we celebrate, we encourage one another, we, we sing songs, we worship, we pour out our hearts, we give our love and affection back to God, and we remember who we are. Sons and daughters brought in, adopted into the family of God, members of this incredible family on mission that Jesus has invited us into with a huge vision for our city and beyond. We remember and we also look ahead. We listen, we make space for where is Jesus inviting us into next? What is the Spirit speaking to us in this moment, in this time? What might he want to do in us now? And then we leave some space to respond. So as we really kick this off tonight, I just want us to think about and remember why we're here. Why are you here? Should we do open mic night and just make a... No, I'm not not gonna do that to you. Um, But it is important for us to remember why we're even a part of this? And I, and I would guess that there's probably a lot of different reasons that, uh, that we could give here. Some of us were like, I was just dragged here by somebody that I love. And so that's why I'm here. But my main guess is that we could put most of the reasons into two categories. It's either one, because you've had some kind of encounter with Jesus. Or because you're looking for one. Because you've had some encounter with Jesus... Or you're looking for one, you're waiting for it, you're, you're trying to find it. And maybe for a lot of us it's a little of both because we continue to have encounters with Jesus over and over. Many of us have experienced the grace and the power and the mercy and the compassion of Jesus. We have we've felt the acceptance of his family, the empowering, the, the transformation of our lives And any other kind of life apart from that is just ruined for us. We'll never be the same. And we want to continue to lean into that reality. We were having dinner uh, this week with a new family that we're just getting to know. And I was out of the room and I walked in. And and I heard Rachel telling my story of encountering Jesus back in college. I think I've shared with a bunch of you before um, when I met Jesus in this alley late at night when I was in a really hopeless place. And I heard her telling my story, and it just shook me again at how crazy these moments that we, uh, that we have with Jesus and how much that changed the trajectory of my life. And if you haven't experienced that, I bet that there is a longing inside of you, um, and, and my hope, my belief is that you will have one of those experiences one day. You're going to have multiple ones of them because this is what Jesus does. He seeks us out. He finds us. He invites us into his family. This, I believe, is what we are all looking for. The good news is that Jesus came to earth, God, with us, announcing, demonstrating, and inviting everyone around us into a completely new way of life, a new quality of life, a new kind of life, a new way of seeing and living This is a life of connection and belonging, a life of transformation, of healing. It's a life of rest and enjoying and celebrating the beauty and the goodness. And it's a life of open-handed generosity and risky compassion with healing and justice setting all things right. This is what Jesus came to do, and it's what we are invited to join him in. And so what we're going to talk about tonight is how do we experience that life. This is really what we always talk about, by the way. (laughs) It's not new. But specifically us, uh, Vineyard Covington, this local church, this local expression, we've been reimagining life together for almost two years now. And I'm so glad that you're a part of this, by the way. Um, But what is our plan for walking this out? You know, our vision, we say, is to welcome people home to a family that is being transformed by the life and love of Jesus. This goodness cannot be contained and it spills out into the hearts, the homes, and streets of our city as we release the powerful peace, joy, hope, and love of the kingdom of God. It's a lot of words, as Joe tells me, but they're good words, right? It's a pretty good vision. I think it's compelling and it's really big. I mean, how do we do this? We're talking about the transformation of our city. We're talking about all of the lonely people around us being placed in a family, experiencing the transformation of Jesus. So what's our plan? And this feels, this feels especially tough in the season of life that uh, the church in the West is in. There's a lot of people leaving. There's a lot of deconstructing going on. There is so much hurt and pain that the church has caused in the lives of people around us. There are so many questions, and a lot of people are not looking to the church anymore to find those answers. In that book that one of you got, uh, Beautiful Resistance, John Tyson asks exactly that question. He says, is there any hope for a church dealing with so much brokenness. There is hope because each generation of believers is given the opportunity to tell the story of Jesus through the local church. Regardless of the history, we get to put the brilliance of Jesus on display. So what is the story that we are telling with our lives? Does our story Point to Jesus the disciples that we read about in the Bible they were really a lot like us they were regular people maybe people that didn't have big expectations over their lives uh, maybe people that others didn't think were going to really amount to much either but they all had an encounter with Jesus that sent them on a completely different journey that has been multiplying and changing the world for 2,000 years So how did they do it? What did Jesus actually tell them to do? We're going to look at a passage from Matthew 28. Uh, This is verses 16 through 20. If you have it and you want to turn to it, we'll also have it on the screen tonight. Um, But this is right after Jesus, their teacher, their friend, the one that they had left everything. They'd left all of their former way of life to follow him. All of their hopes had been placed in him and they had seen him be executed by the state. He was dead, and then he came back to life. Anybody ever seen that happen? Barry? Oh, okay, I was hoping. I've heard stories. He was dead, and he came back to life. This is crazy, but this is the, this is the um, scene that we're jumping into, and he Uh, he actually met with the the women first because they were there at at the tomb. And he said, go tell all my other friends, my followers that are hiding, to come meet me on this mountain. And this is what we read. I love the way the message version really brings us to life. Meanwhile, the 11 disciples were on their way to Galilee, headed for the mountain that Jesus had set for their reunion. The moment they saw him, they worshiped him. Some, though, held back, not sure about worship, about risking themselves totally. Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, marking them. By baptism in the threefold name: Father, Son and Holy Spirit, and then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded to you, all I have commanded you. I will be with you as you do this, day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. What jumps out to you as you hear this read? Was there anything that was kind of highlighted on your heart? If you are familiar with this passage, um, the, the more literal translation and the, the more churchy way that most of us have probably been used to hearing it is Go and make disciples of all nations. Make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all I've commanded you. And just a couple thoughts. First, most of us have been taught to think about discipleship as a class we go to, as a, a system, a, a program, a set of information, you know, the right things to think about God, and maybe some you know instructions for how to live. But but most of it in our our modern systems has been about getting the right information into our heads. What to believe about Jesus. And two, the idea of commands that we have to obey isn't particularly exciting for those of us in America who love our freedom and our independence, right? So just the idea of teach them uh, commands that they have to obey is really off-putting. But what I love about the message version that pops right out is this commission to train people in a new way of life that looks like Jesus, to instruct them in the practices that Jesus lived by and modeled. And this is the vision. This is what we mean when we say welcoming people home to a family that is being transformed by the life and the love of Jesus. It's not convincing people about certain beliefs. It's not arguing or or coming up with good answers. It's not about following a list of rules and do's or don'ts. The American author Annie Dillard said, How we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. What we do all day ends up being the life that we live. So the big question for us is how are we spending our days? And as followers of Jesus stepping into this big vision that he's given us, how are we supposed to live? What is the way? Before the the term Christian came into common use, which, by the way, Christian originally, it just means little Christs, right? So I always love to imagine just mini-Jesuses being set loose, running around the the whole world. That would be pretty cool, right? Like a hundred mini-Jesuses running around the streets of Covington. But before that that term came into use, the early church, the the men and the women who were a part of, of this family on mission... They were called followers of the way. This is what the church has always been about, followers of the way, people that are living a new kind of life. And of course, Jesus said in John fourteen six that I am the way, not me, Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And yet somehow we've created a Christian culture in the West that has separated the way of Jesus with just having certain beliefs about Jesus. It's pretty common in our day to be a professing Christian and for our lives to look nothing like Jesus. This is a shame. This is not what Jesus had in mind. And by the way, I'm not like bashing other churches. We all have been a part of this. Um, when I was growing up, what everyone said about Christianity was, it's not religion, it's relationship. Have you ever heard that? That was like the 90s mantra, I think. And, it, and it's really good uh, because, it, yeah, it's not. We're invited into a relationship, but that is just the start. That relationship takes us somewhere we didn't expect to go. That relationship, that connection to Jesus, transforms our life into a completely different kind of life, a new way to live. And one of my biggest critiques of the pretty typical church model in our day is that it's just too easy to be a part of it and to not be transformed. And so our vision team here at Vineyard Covington, our group of leaders that's been wrestling with this over uh, almost two years now, (laughs) um, maybe some of you have been wondering, what are you guys even doing? But. We're getting somewhere, okay? (laughs) But this is the thing that we keep coming back to over and over. It's the thing that resonates with all of us and the thing that we feel like this is what Jesus is calling us to do to how we achieve our vision. This is our strategy. This is our plan for Vineyard Covington. And it's this, developing a way of life we can invite the city into. developing a way of life we can invite the city into it's simple and yet it's really big it's not a program it's not a service or an event although there are going to be lots of events to invite people to mostly parties we're going to throw a bunch of parties this year by the way guys Ready for that? I'm super excited on Easter to pop a bunch of champagne bottles again with all of you. That was a highlight of mine. Um, But we're going to throw a ton of parties, but but that's not what it is. It's actually inviting people into our entire lives. One of the big things that we feel called uh, to do that Jesus does is to offer a compelling alternative to the way of life that the rest of the world is offering. There should be something different about the way that we are living our lives because we have a relationship with Jesus. But we're not talking about just different beliefs. We're not even just talking about different practices, but an entire new way of life, a new kind and quality of life. And the best gift that we can give to the people around us is our constantly transforming lives. This is, after all, what Jesus has invited all of us into to experience the transformation of his life and then to invite the people around us to do this as well. Uh, we were at a conference, a church planning conference, a couple years ago out in California, and I was in a breakout session, and I think it was about like strategic planning. And the pastor who was leading this, uh, her name is Becca from uh, Denver, and she just said kind of this little offhanded thing comment in passing but it stuck with me for about two years she said that I'm convinced if I can get any of my neighbors or the people around me who don't know Jesus I'm convinced that if I can get them to my house to have dinner around the table with my family that they will fall in love with Jesus do you feel that way about your life Sometimes I'm a little scared of people coming to my house and seeing the craziness of my kids and (laughs) running away. But if we are really doing this, then this is what's going to happen. As people come experience the way that we live, they should be able to see the beauty of Jesus in everything that we do. Okay, so a way of life we can invite the city into. There's so much to this, but... I'm just cracking the surface tonight, okay? Over the next few months, we're going to continue to roll out parts of this, of of what this looks like as we break this down. Um, We're going to talk a ton about our values as a church because this is really what a lot of this has to do with. This is about uh, the things that matter most to us that God has placed in us coming through in everything that we do. So we're not exactly talking about just doing a bunch of different things, but we're talking about everything we do Doing it differently. Does that make sense? It's a completely new way of doing maybe the same things that we've already done. And I just want to encourage you that most of you are already doing this in a really awesome way. So this isn't like a bunch of completely new things that you've never heard of, Um, but we're going to talk about this more as this goes along. And we're going to work out the practicalities of how we do this in our house groups together. So if you aren't a part of a house group, uh, now is a really great time to join one uh, because that's where a lot of this, the specifics of, of each person, because there's a communal aspect to this and there's also an individual part. So if you're not in a group, come check that out. But tonight, I really just want to give us this framework for what we're talking about because uh, language creates culture. So really, we want to give everyone a common language that we can use uh, as people of Vineyard Covington. That these are the goals of our way of life. And the way of life is the overall collection of our values, rhythms, and practices that form us into the image of Jesus and empower us to live that healthy, deep life of overflowing love together. So these are the three goals that we're going to talk about with our way of life. One, be like, be with Jesus. I should read the screen. Become like Jesus. Do what Jesus did. Could you imagine a way of life where everything that you did, the way that you spent your time, the things that you did were centered around these three goals? Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. Essentially, this is our plan for centering everything about who we are in our lives around Jesus. He is at the center And ultimately, it's about fruit. The things that flow out of the way that we live our lives should look like Jesus. And he made a lot of amazing promises, y'all, about what this is going to look like and, and what would happen when true followers centered and tethered their life to him. This is how we're going to live as a family on mission, united together and mobilized for mission in everything that we can do. This is about one integrated life, reoriented and ordered around Jesus. And this is how Jesus did it, by the way. I don't have time to quote the whole New Testament to you, although I want to right now. But you'll start to see this over and over. This is what Jesus said. Come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, my way of living on you. Come and see, hang out with me, get to know me. Experience me. And he also said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you want to know what God looks like, he looks like Jesus. He also said, follow me and I will make you into fishers of men. Right? There's an aspect of following him that leads to this transformation into something else. Put my teachings into practice and then go out and do what I did. In fact, you're going to do even greater things than me. This is pretty crazy stuff. How does this feel for you? Is it resonating? Is it exciting? Is it heavy? (laughs) My hope for all of us is that this would not feel like heaviness, that this would not feel like a list of things that we should be doing and wondering how we're going to fit all of this into our already busy and overcrowded schedules. Because most of this... We can do with just changing our intentions rather than adding whole new things in. In fact, as we start this process, we're not going to really talk about adding a lot of new things in. Some of the first steps are probably going to be cutting things out. How can we, how can we create more space? How can we add in more margin to, to uh, experience everything that Jesus has for us? And really, I think that this is good news because it taps into three longings that we all have. We're invited to be, to belong, to be known, to be loved, to be affirmed for who we are, to be with others. We are not alone. And when we spend time with Jesus, when we make him the center of our lives, people start to notice something that's different about us. In Acts 4.13, it says that uh, the the leading priests recognized the followers of Jesus as having, or they recognized the men as having been with Jesus. Like, you guys have been with Jesus. Actually, a really quick story from yesterday, uh, kind of a crazy one at Isaiah House, but uh, we were going and praying, and uh, we came up to this car, and this dude starts pointing at me, and he's like, there's my guy. And I was like, that's right. And... and uh, and I was like, remind me of why. And, and he was like, you prayed for me like six months ago. And all this stuff was happening. And he had to have this throat surgery. And he was like, and when I looked at you, I see people in colors. I can see their energy and their aura. And I normally see all these different colors over people. But you're the only, other, you're the only person I've ever seen, except for my step-grandmother or someone who's a saint. You're the only person I've ever seen that has a bright white light glowing over you you've got the glow man that's what he told me and he said you've been hanging out with Jesus haven't you (laughs) when we center our lives around being with Jesus something changes in the way people see us wouldn't it be cool if Vineyard Covington was known for being a bright white light of just shining glowing because we've been with Jesus and we're invited to become, to grow, to transform. Uh, this is the point of every story, to break past the things that have been holding us back, to, to do things that we can't do on our own because of us a, a, a tapping into a greater power. We're invited to do great things. This is what all of us want to do, right? To accomplish, to achieve, to see results, to have an impact. And Jesus made a lot of promises that we are going to hold on to. We are going to go beyond our capacity and our limitations with man. A lot of things are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Okay, so let's wrap this up. One more thought that I just want to read. One more passage. What is the way? Jesus said he was the way, but just one more way of looking at this. Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, Um, Paul writes, Follow God's example, therefore as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. As dearly loved children, imitate God and walk in the way of love. This is all about love. It is going to be the fruit of our lives when we learn to walk in the way of love. Because the God of the universe revealed in Jesus is love. And so this way of life is all about receiving and sharing the healing, connecting, transforming, powerful love of God. The good news that God so loved the world that he sent his son. The good news that that love uh, changed Jesus so much that he laid down his life for us. That same love is the power that raised Christ from the dead and that same love is now the power that has been poured out over all of the earth that is reconciling all things, making all things new and we are invited into it to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus and to do what Jesus did. So that's the intro. Come back next month to hear more. But I want to give just a little bit of time to respond to this. So as you hear these three things, uh, those three goals, what, which one resonates with you most? Is there one of these things that you just naturally lean towards? Being with Jesus? Becoming like the, the transforming part? Or the doing what Jesus did? See, my guess is that most of us tend to overemphasize one of these things at the expense of the others. And if we're just stuck doing all of these things for Jesus without being with him, without experiencing his transformation, it's not going to go very well. And then one other question. What do you feel like Jesus might be inviting you into right now as a result? So we're going to do a little group discussion time. We don't always do this together, but take Take about 30 seconds and just think about those two questions, and then get into a group with three or four people around you, and just answer these questions. Everybody share. This is going to have to go really rapid fire, because I've been talking for a long time. Um, so which one of these things do you, are you most natural, naturally lean toward? And then which one do you think Jesus maybe is inviting you to step more into? So go.